0: Well, I'm excited to be back into the scriptures here in the book of Ezra. The book of Ezra. And we are on chapter 5, starting at verse 6. We have um, been in Ezra since the beginning of the year, believe it or not. And you may remember that the main sort of drive behind the book of Ezra, for those, who, especially for those who have been with us here, is to rebuild the temple. Finish rebuilding the temple. God, in his mercy, has brought back israel to the land and he has called them to go ahead and rebuild the temple and they've faced opposition they faced discouragement frustration fear from the people of the land well guess what in the section we're going to cover this morning they finish building the temple (laughs) now we're not even near the end of the book of ezra there's a lot more to be done Um, there's a lot of renewal that has to happen within god's people themselves it's not just about rebuilding a temple but there is a, a, a reason, a cause to celebrate here, to stop and say, thank you, God, that you have called us back to rebuild the temple and we've been able to finish it. And I would just say the same is true for us as Christians. You know, the, the Christian life is not all down. It's not all trials. It's not all opposition. It's not all suffering. There are times in which God gives favor and fruitfulness. And when God gives favor and fruitfulness, we should stop, be grateful, celebrate his grace. Look with me at Ezra chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 6. We're going to cover a lot of ground uh, this week. Last week we covered only five verses. This week we're going to cover a whole bunch more than that, all right? But it all kind of goes together. You may remember from last week that the people of the land do sort of get curious when Israel starts rebuilding again. They start building the temple again and the people of the land say, what are you doing? (laughs) Who gave you the right to do this? And the people of the land basically say, uh, go talk to the king um, and go find out about Cyrus and all that. But we're going to just keep building. And so what we cover in this chapter is the people of the land contacting, by letter, Darius the king, Darius' response, and then as they finish the building of the temple and begin to celebrate. So here we are in Ezra chapter 5, starting at verse 6. This is a copy of the letter that Tatanai, the governor of the province beyond the river, and Shethar Bozenai and his associates, the governors who were in the province beyond the river, sent to Darius the king. They sent him a report in which was written as follows, To Darius the king, all peace. We'll give it a second. Pastor, good to see you. We're going to pray at the end of the service for you. Verse 8, be it known to the king that we went to the province of Judah, to the house of the great God. It is being built with huge stones, and timber is laid in the walls. This work goes on diligently and prospers in their hands. Then we asked those elders and spoke to them thus, who gave you a decree to build this house and to finish this structure? We also asked them their names, for your information that we might write down the names of their leaders. And this was their reply to us. We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the house that was built many years ago, which a great king of Israel built and finished. But because our fathers had angered the God of heaven, he gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this house and carried away the people to Babylonia. However, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, Cyrus the king made a decree that this house of God should be rebuilt. And the gold and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple that was in Jerusalem and brought into the temple of Babylon, these Cyrus, the king, took out of the temple of Babylon. And they were delivered to one whose name was Sheshbazar, whom he had made governor. And he said to him, "'Take these vessels, go and put them in the temple that is in Jerusalem, and let the house of God be rebuilt on its site.'" Then this Sheshbazar came and laid the foundations of the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And from that time until now it has been in building, and it is not yet finished. Therefore, if it seems good to the king, let search be made in the royal archives there in Babylon to see whether a decree was issued by Cyrus the king for the rebuilding of this house of God in Jerusalem, and let the king send us his pleasure in this matter. Then Darius the king made a decree. And search was made in Babylonia, in the house of the archives where the documents were stored, and in Ekbatana, the citadel that is in the province of Media. A scroll was found on which this was written, a record. In the first year of Cyrus the king, Cyrus the king issued a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem, let the house be rebuilt, the place where sacrifices were offered and let its foundations be retained. Its height shall be 60 cubits and its breadth, 60 cubits. With three layers of great stones and one layer of timber, let the cost be paid from the royal treasury, and also let gold and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took out of the temple that is in Jerusalem, and brought to Babylon, be restored, and brought back to the temple that is in Jerusalem, each to its place. You shall put them in the house of God. Now therefore, Tatani, the governor of the province beyond the river... Shethar, Bozani, and you associates, the governors who are in the province beyond the river, keep away. Let the work on this house of God be alone. Let, leave it, let it alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews rebuild this house of God on its site. Moreover, I make a decree regarding what you shall do for these elders of the Jews for the rebuilding of this house of God. The cost is to be paid to these men in full, And without delay from the royal revenue, the tribute of the province from beyond the river. And whatever is needed, bulls, rams, or sheep for burnt offerings to the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, or oil, as the priests at Jerusalem require, let that be given to them day by day without fail, that they may offer pleasing sacrifices to the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. Also, I make a decree that if anyone alters this edict, a beam... "...shall be pulled out of his house, and he shall be impaled on it, and his house shall be made a dunghill. May the God who has caused his name to dwell there overthrow any king or people who shall put out a hand to alter this, or to destroy this house of God that is in Jerusalem. I, Darius, make a decree. Let it be done with all diligence." Then, according to the word sent by Darius the king, Tatsanai, the governor of the province beyond the river, Shethar, I and their associates did with all diligence what Darius the king had ordered. And the elders of the Jews built and prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo. They finished their building by decree of the God of Israel and by decree of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes king of Persia. And this house was finished on the third day of the month of Adar in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. And the people of Israel, the priests and the Levites and the rest of the returned exiles celebrated the dedication of this house of God with joy. They offered at the dedication of this house of God a hundred bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs and as a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats according to the number of the tribes of Israel. And they set the priests in their divisions and the Levites in their divisions for the service of God at Jerusalem as it is written in the book Of Moses. This is the word of the Lord. May God add his blessing to the reading, the proclamation, and the application of his word this morning. Here's where we're going. God gives favor in fruitfulness at times. So 5 to 17, this is Tatnai and the people of the land's letter to Darius. Utilize when God gives a fair context for ministry. Then 6, 1 to 12, Darius's response, be ready when God gives us a favorable government. And then most importantly, six, thirteen to 18, celebrate when God gives spiritual fruitfulness. All right, that's where we're headed. So the first section, when God gives a fair context for ministry. Uh, I love the fact that we have preserved for us the actual letter um, that was sent by Tatnai to uh, King Darius. Remember, Darius is a relatively new king of Persia. He's not Cyrus, but he's a relatively new king of Persia. They've started rebuilding under his reign. The people of land are not too sure what's going on so they write him but notice their letter is pretty fair now this is way different than the letter we read before that used all different types of exaggeration and hyperbole that used all different types of accusation you know the people here are rebuilding they're treacherous they're not going to pay you your taxes um, all different types of flattery towards the king and how uh, what a great and noble king osnapper was even though he was a brutal king now this letter is just more to the fact plain Plain uh, and straight to the facts of the matter. Now I like that because Tatanai is the governor of the Beyond the River. Beyond the River is a place, so capital B, capital R. You see that? Uh, the province Beyond the River. He's really in charge, even of Judah. The, the governor of Judah is Zerubbabel. He's a little. He's lesser on the on the sort of totem pole of, of authority there, um, and he's just trying to figure out what's going on. Lays the situation out before them. I went to the went to them, asked them about what they're doing, took down names. They said that Cyrus gave them approval. Now, I didn't mention that last time. I said they didn't say anything. That's actually not right. They did give him an explanation. They said Cyrus gave them permission, and then they just keep building. And then he says, this is their only request for Tat and I. If it pleases the king, because I'm not the king, you're the king, do a search and see if what they're saying is true. I love that. It's, it's a relatively fair context for ministry. Um, and this, we find this throughout the Bible. Sometimes you're in a a situation in which it isn't a fair context for ministry, right? There's a lot of opposition, there's a lot of attack, a lot of adversarial people, there's a lot of accusation, false accusation against God's people, against Christians in the land, but sometimes there's not. And we see this in the Bible, in the book of Acts, some places, like Thessalonica, not friendly to the gospel. The people literally run the missionaries out, threatening to kill them. And then other places, like Berea, which is nearby Thessalonica, says the people of that land were much more noble. They were much more open-minded. They were willing to actually consider what they had to say. And it's true what you see around the world. There are parts of this world in which there is an openness, fair context to do ministry, and there are parts of this world in which it is completely and utterly closed, right? They do not want anyone sharing their faith. What should we do? I think right now in our country, we still have a very fair context for ministry. Now, we can talk about how things are changing, and there are some groups of sort of far, um, uh, sort of left particularly groups, far right too, I think, but uh, who are completely closed and have want no interest. Evangelical Christianity is, is, should have no voice whatsoever, but for the most part, if you or I, after the church service, walked down to GAR Park and started a conversation with someone, you're probably not going to get arrested for it. You're probably not going to get into a fight, right? I mean, people are fit. We're still in a situation in which people are pretty fair and open-minded, especially two times a year. You know what those two times a year in which people are particularly open-minded? Christmas and Easter, right? Exactly. This time of year, you can start having those conversations, and I just encourage you, make good use of that. Things may change in the future, but right now, invite someone to church. Have a spiritual conversation with someone. Talk to them about the Lord. What do you think about Jesus? What do you think about the resurrection of jesus are you looking for a church to go to on christmas and start to have those conversations with people uh, about the lord sometimes we have a fair context for ministry sometimes there's an openness at times god does give the grace of a of of open doors of ministry but then 6 1 to 12 uh, we see there was the, the government's response and this is pretty amazing because as we've seen in the past, the government was not in favor of the rebuilding. They were convinced that this is a treacherous, rebellious situation, right? Uh, very different with Darius. Uh, Darius does exactly what they asked. He does the search through the books, and what does he find? He finds, no, they're actually telling the truth. They are approved by Cyrus, and Darius wants to be like Cyrus. Cyrus the Great. This is Darius the I, the Great, he wants to be like the other great, right? So he wants, to, he wants to be able to have people praying for him and for his greatness. And so when he reads this, he says to Tat and I and all them, nope, what they're saying is completely true. Leave them alone. Let them do what they're doing. They have my approval. More than that, he says, no, not just leave them alone. I want you to fund their whole project, right? So go ahead and take the revenue that you're collecting, Tat and I, and give them anything they need to finish this project. In fact, I want you to supply for them all the animals they need. Go ahead and give them the sacrifices so that they can pray for the king and his sons, right? So. Talk about a complete 180 from the previous situation we were looking at. Now we see complete support. What is more? And you guys probably noticed the sort of extreme. This is Darius. He's an extreme person. Um, He says, um, I want to make sure that this is done. So if somebody decides to not do what I'm asking, knock down his house, take a beam and impale him on it. (laughs) That's pretty extreme, right? This means most likely either to stick it through the guy's body, so he dies and hangs on it, or to literally nail him like a crucifix to that beam and then turn his house into a dunghill. That's Darius. It's one one extreme or the other here, and he gets fully behind them. What I want you to notice about that is how quickly things can change. Just like that. You had a government that is completely oppressive, tells them to stop, they use force to end it, and right now we have one that says, not only am I behind this, I'm fully supportive of this. Actually, here are how the Persian kings work. Cyrus the Great was the first one, 550 to 530 B.C. That's when they first come back. The second one is Cambyses II. We know nothing about him from the Bible. The Bible doesn't even mention him by name at all. So from 530 to 522 is a time of silence. Then we come to Darius the Great, 522 to 486, a long time, B.C., Things are pretty good. Uh, In fact, we know that Daniel was under Darius for a while, and Darius is the one who didn't want to feed him to the lions. Some of you guys know the story. Then we come to Xerxes, or he's called Ahasuerus, not friendly to the gospel. He's the one that served with Esther. Now, with Esther, he's pretty good. But here, back in the land, he shuts everything down. Then we come to Darius II, not mentioned. Xerxes, he is mentioned as somewhat favorable. And then Darius III, not mentioned. So, so quickly, you might have someone who is completely behind the Christian faith, someone who is indifferent to it, and someone who is absolutely opposed to it in a heartbeat. And this is how the world works, friends. Kingdoms rise and fall. And what are we to do as God's people? We serve a kingdom not of this world. We serve a kingdom that lasts, regardless of whether the governing authorities are on our side. Malcolm Muggeridge was a British and English uh, reporter who came to faith. And uh, one of the things that brought him to faith is kind of looking at how how history just rises and falls and how behind it all for the last 2,000 years is this lone figure, Jesus Christ. And no matter what happens in the kingdoms of this world, it never changes (laughs) the fact that Jesus stands firm and his kingdom continues to advance. Malcolm Muggeridge wrote this. We look back on history and what do we see? empires rising and falling revolutions and counter-revolutions succeeding one another wealth accumulating and wealth dispersed one nation dominant and then another in one lifetime for you you silent generation people we talked about in one lifetime i've seen my fellow countrymen ruling over a quarter of the world meaning england i've heard a crazed austrian announce the establishment of a german reich that was to last for a thousand years An Italian clown report that the calendar will begin again with his assumption of power. A murderous Georgian brigand in the Kremlin, acclaimed by the intellectual elite as a wiser than Solomon, more enlightened than Ashoka, more humane than Marcus Aurelius. I've seen America wealthier than all the rest of the world put together with the superiority of weaponry that could could have enabled Americans, had they so wished, to outdo an Alexander or a Julius Caesar in the range and scale of conquest." all in one little lifetime, gone with the wind. England, now part of an island off the coast of Europe, threatened with further dismemberment. Hitler and Mussolini seen as buffoons. Stalin, a sinister name in the regime he helped to found, and dominated totally for three decades. Americans haunted by fears of running out of that precious fluid that keeps their motorways roaring and the smog settling by memories of a disastrous military campaign in Vietnam and the windmills of Watergate can this really be what life is about this worldwide soap opera going on from century to century from era to era as old discarded sets and props litter the earth surely not friends we serve a king over a kingdom not of this world so what do we do well when we have the favor of governing authorities use it well when I say use it well, I don't mean grab a hold of political power and make sure we force our way upon the rest of the country. That doesn't do anything. Use it as an opportunity to share the gospel. Use it as an opportunity to do ministry, to love and to serve our neighbor. If, as things seem to be heading right now, but things can change in a, in a moment, we find more and more opposition and less and less of a voice in the public square, we serve God well still. Look at this on the world, the world scene. Can you imagine, right now, China is one of the fastest-growing economies, one of the most uh, important economies in the world, and they're run by the CCP, which is completely against Christianity, and yet Christianity is still spreading and growing throughout China. Can you imagine if the CCP is, is overtaken by a government that's favorable to Christians? It would change the world. Who knows what would happen? In just a heartbeat, that could happen. We have no idea. But either way... Our focus is on the city of God, not the city of man. Kingdoms will continue to rise and fall, but our king is of an eternal kingdom. It's been going on for 2,000 years, friends, and isn't going anywhere, right? If anything, Christianity has only spread and further and further into the, the last sort of corners of the earth. Be ready when God gives a favorable government or not. Pray for those in governing authorities. Isn't that neat? That's what Darius asked for. I want to let them build. I want to let them do their sacrifices. I will even help them. I'll even support them. And all I'm asking is, I want them to pray for me. (laughs) I want them to pray for me and my sons so that I get blessed. And actually, the New Testament calls us to pray for those in governing authorities. We're supposed to be doing that anyway. Pray for our president, whether you like him or not. Pray for the cabinet. Pray for our, our national leaders and our local leaders. And if things don't go our way, we still serve the Lord and we still pray for them. But God is giving fruitfulness and favor. And look at 6:13 to 18. Because of what Darius does, they're able to finish the temple. This is the whole purpose of coming back to the land, they thought, right? To get that temple rebuilt. And it's done. They're funded. They're able to get the work done. And what do they do? They celebrate, they rejoice. They offer a whole bunch of sacrifices. Now, these sacrifices are nothing compared to the original temple. When Solomon did that, it was tens of thousands of animals. Here it's hundreds. But smaller group, they're still offering their praise to God. They offer 12 goats even, one for each of the 12 tribes, as if to say, God bless all of Israel coming back here to the land. Now, it's not even close to done. We haven't even introduced you guys to Ezra. The name of the book is Ezra. We haven't even met Ezra yet. He comes in chapter 7. There's still more work to be done, but a chapter is finished. God has done something great, and it's time to stop and celebrate And recognize his mercy in his grace. Friends, so important that we do the same thing. Uh, Do that in your own life. You know, as I said, we we say a lot. I've said a lot here in this sermon series about persevering. A lot about uh, dealing with opposition and trials and hardship. But that's not the whole of the Christian life. It's not just downs. It's ups and downs, right? So enjoy some of the ups and take time to say thank you to God when you reach a certain point and let's say you you get baptized and you find a good church home celebrate that stop and take a moment and give god the glory that's what we do when we stop and celebrate we're taking a moment to say thank you to god for what he's done maybe you're, you're, you're doing the ministry that god has called you to do you're faithfully serving in the way that he wants you to serve stop and celebrate that those big moments in life but it's the same thing is true of us as a church. We want to to celebrate. I had a pastor friend here in Haverhill. He was, I won't tell you the name of the church, but he was a, a pastor of a church here, and he was a little older, too, and he was part of a church that he could tell there was just no joy in this little congregation, and the congregation had come into some, some money, um, I think by the death of, some, of one of the members, and his desire was to take that money and just throw a big party. <laughs> he said, that's what I want to do with it. I just want us to celebrate we're just going to throw a big party invite friends invite neighbors and just get these people celebrating again they fired him all right so i mean that was the situation i, I uh, maybe you know he, he went on to a different church maybe that was for the better uh, but i get his point <laughs> do we take time and he's doing really well wherever he's at now but do we take time to recognize god's grace and i just hope that is a big part of our church and you know, we celebrate our 250 year anniversary 250 two and a half centuries. Of ministering here here in Haverhill that was eight years ago I really want to thank you guys for those who were here for a long time for for my ordination I remember that as well and uh, what a celebration that was we, we packed out the, the house and we had two professional chefs who cooked for me and uh, it was just a great celebration I hope Easter is that I know a lot of people use Lent to give things up and I'm not saying that's bad that that's a that can be a good thing it's an act of devotion you give up sweets, you know, give up TV, you give up Facebook, whatever you want to do. But really, Lent is about what God has already given up for us. He made the sacrifice, and we get to receive it. And so whatever else you do for Lent, take time to reflect on the mercy of God in his grace to save sinners. Because that's what it's really all about. We are the recipients of his love. And friends, not only his death, but the resurrection. There's nothing you could give up that will even begin to balance what God has given us through Easter. Easter is the greatest celebration you could imagine. I mean, there's nothing that could even compare to it. Through Easter, death is conquered because of what we celebrate on Easter, you have eternal life. <laughs> uh, your, your end is not the grave anymore if you're in Jesus. That there is for you a coming resurrection. That all of the sin and sorrow and suffering that we face in this world will behind, be behind us one day and we will have 10,000 years in front of us to sing his praise and then some and on and on and on. And the assurance, the down payment, the shorty of that is easter sunday as christ has risen from the dead so all those united to him by faith will one day rise as well (laughs) i don't have anything to give to god for that nothing that would even it would be a pale comparison i only have the, the blessing to say thank you father for what you have done in the gift of your son to save me now when we celebrate it's not the end we're not there yet, right? After Easter comes the rest of April and May, and we have more work to do. So, And just like in Ezra, they finished the temple. That's not the end. God has more work to do. We continue to do it. But there's a value in stopping to celebrate. God gives favor and fruitfulness at times. I just want you to see that. We, we have looked at some of the trials and the hardship and the adversarial relationships that they've faced in the land which has been an example to us certainly has been an example to me but also recognize that god gives favor sometimes a fear ministry context sometimes even the favor of the governing authorities but more importantly fruitfulness in ministry and what do we do we stop and thank him and celebrate where are you right now and I, this is different for different people you know maybe you're at a time and you're like Pastor Rick, I can't celebrate right now. I'm hurting. There's a lot of pain in my life. There's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of issues. Be faithful. This too will pass, right? Maybe you are in a time of celebration right now, and you're enjoying God's grace, and things have been worked out. Give God the glory, but know as well that this time too will pass. Uh, Where I'm at, I'll tell you where I'm at right now. I feel like this this is a season of work. All right, work for the Lord. Not work for my salvation. That's complete in Jesus Christ. The gospel has saved me, but it's a time of getting down nose to the grind and getting some work done, teaching and leading and writing and doing as much as I can for the kingdom. Um, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm getting older quickly. I want to I do some good work for the Lord, um, but I also, I also want to stop and say thank you. I, I also want to make sure that there are seasons punctuating that with praise to you Lord I have no work I need to do today I just want to rest in your grace and celebrate with God's people and as we have this too will pass this too will pass eventually we will be with the Lord in glory and when that day comes there will be no more suffering or trials or opposition there will be an eternal worship service with him would you pray with me Well, great and gracious Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word. Thank you for the book of Ezra. Thank you for what we're learning and hearing from the scriptures. Lord, again, I don't know where everyone's at. There, There are some people I know, I'm sure, in this congregation right now who are really hurting or fearful or frustrated or overwhelmed or discouraged. Help them to grab a hold of you. Take hold of the hem of your garment, Lord, and hold on and trust you through it. This too will pass. And there are some in our, in our church who are right now celebrating. They're, they're rejoicing. God, has, you've been doing some amazing things in their life and, and there's been sort of a, a real fruitfulness to what they've been doing. Help them to celebrate, give you glory and praise you. But know too, this too will pass. Times of trial will come again. Times of work and so forth. Until the day as the Christian hope puts our focus on Christ's return in which we are done and in your presence forever. Be glorified, be worshiped in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand and let's sing and worship to the